They're really looking to get their test validated and launch their test as quickly as possible. Being able you know, to do that in even as short as a three-month period and being able to kind of set up their, you know, the NGS operations, um, as well as getting the IT systems piece up and running is a pretty significant set of activities to complete. The cloud really enables them to do that. My name is Kashif, and this is BioRadio, a group of biologists turned bioinformaticians bring you into the world of research and development informatics by interviewing the people responsible for implementing systems and technologies to a unique and diverse set of use cases. Several biopharma organizations are dealing with similar issues, technical, executive buy-in, mindset. Organizations can learn from the experience of others and how they've dealt with some of these same issues and perhaps strategize on ways of moving to the cloud. Today, we're here with Charlene Sunrigby. Hi, I'm Charlene Sunrigby, the Chief Business Officer at Fabric Genomics. I've spent the last 20 years in a combination of enterprise software and bioinformatics at both startups and Fortune 500 companies, working with customers to enable them to get actionable insights out of large data. I'm currently at Fabric Genomics, where we deliver a software platform for highly scalable genomic analysis. We enable organizations to take raw data off of the sequencer and turn it into clinical insights that can be used for management of patients. Thank you for the introduction and thank you for being here. Let's jump right in. What do you think are the main motivations uh, for, a, for an organization to move to the cloud? Uh, particularly now in, in this day and age? So from my experience, organizations are seriously looking to move to the cloud and moving to the cloud uh, for because of a number of factors. So in the genomics world, the size and the complexity of the data is growing. The cost of sequencing has continued to decrease. And as a result, data volumes are growing quite rapidly. So at Fabric, we work a lot with whole genome data. And to just give you a sense of that size, a raw data file called a FASTQ file that will come off the sequencer is about 90 gigabytes. And typically you'll have two of those data files per sample. So you're talking about 180 gigabytes and that uh, per patient. And that adds up very, very quickly to many terabytes. That's one major issue. So handling that size and complexity of the data. Sure. So just diving into that a bit more. So you're talking about size complexity that obviously creates a storage need. What are the other elements that are really important uh, or, or motivations to move to the cloud outside of just the storage of those data, large data sets? Yes. Another factor is lumpy data processing and growing data processing needs. So in next generation sequencing, data comes off the sequencer in batches. So you have this basically surge of a high data load that's required for processing, but then that processing machine might sit idle. And cloud computing provides on-demand processing, and it enables companies to utilize this lumpy data processing essentially to their economic benefit. And it also enables really seamless scaling as organizations start to grow their data loads over time. Cloud computing is also what enables software as a service companies, you know, including Fabric, to price their products at more reasonable price points, even with high-performance AI technologies that are involved. Right. So you're, you mentioned the 
the lumpiness of the data. Uh, is that referring to the streaming of the data directly from the instrument to the cloud, or are you talking about analysis pipelines and and the the sporadic nature of the hardware to perform those analyses? Yeah, great uh, clarification. So it's uh, in genomic data processing, a lot of it is around the sporadic nature because if you, you know, for instance, get 96 samples or 350 samples off of the sequencer all at once, then those need to be processed as, you know, in, kind of in parallel, as much as parallel as possible so that you can get to the results, analyzing the results as quickly as possible. And then after that large load of analytical processing, that machine might sit idle until the next uh, the next batch comes off of the machine. So a cloud environment would enable one to only utilize that machine and incur that cost when that high data processing load is is um, is being done. Right, right. So you're you're talking about the uh, just being able to only spin up the requisite number of servers to perform a particular task, spin those down, and then move on to the next step that might be less uh, less intense. Right, exactly. And software as a service providers can really kind of amortize that usage across multiple customers and really, you know, deliver economic value to their customers in that way. Sure. So you mentioned two things. Um, one is around performance and being able to scale up and down. Uh, the other is around cost. Are there any other sort of big motivations to move to the cloud? Yeah, definitely. There's a couple more that I'd mention. One is around teams. So we are seeing a lot more geographically dispersed teams. So an, an example of this is we might have geneticists that are performing interpretation in multiple office locations or multiple hospital locations, and they might have a particular disease expert that is in another state or another province. And they are calling that disease expert in to review a specific case. The cloud and cloud solutions will enable that group to collaborate effectively and be able to work on the same data in their normal workflow. So not having to somehow extract that case, its specific case information and go and find a different method to be able to get that expert to look at that information and bring it back. So this is just through the normal analysis workflow and do it in a secure way. Right, yeah, and just to let our audience know, we have a separate topic on sharing and collaboration that we'll get to in, in a few episodes. Um, just going back to your earlier uh, sort of requirements, kind of setting the stage for why, why organizations, uh, biopharma, biotech companies, research organizations are moving to the cloud. Um, in the context of startups, uh, you mentioned those, they typically don't have the in-house hardware existing, right? Could you Could you speak to that in terms of the ramp time uh, going from zero to being able to perform analyses, comparing traditional or older pharma companies versus newer startups that may not have the necessary hardware. Yeah, that, I think that's a great point. In We have a number of labs, uh, regional commercial labs that are, they may have been doing other types of testing and they are transitioning over 
to doing next generation sequencing testing. They don't necessarily have the 50% IT team that a large reference lab might have or a pharma company would have. And so they're really looking to get their test validated and launch their test as quickly as possible. So being able you know, to do that in you know, a uh, you know, even as short as a three month period and, you know, getting the equipment in. So, you know, sourcing the sequencer, being able to kind of set up their, you know, the NGS operations and you know, going through their regulatory, um, as well as getting the IT systems piece up and running is a pretty significant set of activities for a regional commercial lab to complete. And so, uh, so the cloud really enables them to do that. And you know they know they are able to get the robust functionality they need and the workflows they need without having to build it themselves. Right. So you touched on two two additional motivations, right? So the the ramp up and speed at which a lab can go uh, go to production, right? Being able to set up their sequencers, but then also be able to uh, supplement the or create the necessary analysis pipelines. Uh, and then the second point that you mentioned is a lower requirement for resources, uh, and and that's huge. I mean, the the cost, time and cost around being able to maintain these servers, uh, you know, physical hardware on premise is is quite expensive. So earlier we talked about uh, taking a cloud first approach. I guess that is more for startups that probably don't have existing infrastructure, as compared to a more opportunistic approach where here's a new use case. Maybe we've outgrown current infrastructure and need to scale up, or maybe this is a new type of data that we're dealing with, uh, and and the requirements are quite different and don't fit in with with the on-premise servers and databases that we have. Um, what do you think is the approach in terms of how customers prioritize which projects, uh, which projects go to the cloud, and and how they that how they sort of approach that? Yeah, we've seen you know, very different approaches. So it's, I think it's very mixed depending on the organization. Certainly new projects, it's quite easy because there isn't you know, a legacy infrastructure and there's an opportunity to take advantage of the newest technologies. So that's an obvious one. Others that we've seen are you know, projects that are have become for one reason or another difficult to manage because of you know the size and the complexity of the data or the compute and so they become such a pain point that they need to be moved out of the internal infrastructures and another thing uh, that uh, we've seen is that projects where organizations are starting to experiment with the with the cloud they will put they will put forward projects where there's a concern about data security. Mm -hmm. And so putting forward projects where there is there's fewer security concerns about the data. So that might be the data's, you know, totally de-identified or there there are specific types of research data sets, those might go out to the cloud first before, you know, before other types of data sets. So let's unpack that a bit. What do you think about, what are your thoughts around cloud security? Is it really as secure as people advertise? What are the reservations and how do you overcome those reservations? Well, data security, I think generally is a very hot topic. You probably saw in the news earlier this week that there were 20 Texas, 22 Texas towns that were affected by a ransomware right. issue. And I grew up in Texas, so that was very close to my heart. 
uh, hackers and uh, and attempts to get into you know IT um, systems are you know happening all the time, and so when organizations are thinking about a cloud environment, I think that there's a growing realization that cloud providers can provide state-of-the-art security versus an organization needing to build all of those functions themselves. Right. And so that's a big driver to you know, really you know, strongly considering and moving to the cloud. Right. And do you think a customer at the end of the day, specifically in the context of, of sensitive data, do you think they're more or less vulnerable kind of looking at on-prem versus on the cloud approaches for, for storage? From my viewpoint, a state-of-the-art cloud environment should provide a higher level of security than an internal environment because of the fact that this, you know, this is a product that is being you know, provided by a commercial provider such as an AWS, such as a Microsoft. And you know, so that really enables an organization to leverage those capabilities versus having to build it themselves. Right. Excellent point. So in addition to the security, I, I'm sure you come across a lot of concerns, reservations of moving to the cloud or an organization implementing some sort of cloud environment. What do you think are the other big hurdles uh, or reservations that a customer might have? I think that you know the main reservations that we see are around control. And you know, certainly there is a comfort level of you know, having data within one's you know within one's own internal environment, and you know that's kind of the way that we've been doing things. It's uh, you know so there's a comfort level with that being the existing systems, and and then you know the questions around and concerns around you know, data security, especially when you're talking about patient data. Um, identifiable data, those are, I would say, the top of mind concerns. So it sounds like when you were developing your solution, you took a cloud-first approach. I would imagine you didn't build anything in-house and then try to push it to the cloud. What do you think gets left behind when a when an organization just does a simple lift and shift? Mm-hmm. So certainly the cloud does offer you know, security. It offers, uh, it offers a lot of you know, capabilities uh, that you know, that a lift and shift approach can benefit from. But the, you know, some of the, you know, key benefits around being able to, being able to support lumpy data processing, being able to, you know, support short-term usage of very high-performance machines, and also being able to scalably manage uh, large, large amounts of storage with, um, you know, with solutions that might include long-term storage that is that is priced very differently from right. short-term storage. Those would be some of the things that would not be uh, would, that a an organization would not be taking advantage of with a lift and shift. Right. Absolutely. And I guess another approach to that would would be refactoring, which is sort of a hybrid approach where you wouldn't necessarily have started off in the cloud, but you're adding some of the capabilities around the scalability and performance to take advantage, not just of the basics around security, but then also taking advantage of the the sporadic nature of the analysis pipeline. Uh, so s- sort of shifting gears a bit, uh, how, how what are the steps that an organization would take 
taking this vision of moving to the cloud and, and making it a reality? So I spent several years in doing a lot of change management at a Fortune 500 company. And on some level, moving to the cloud is actually quite simple because it, you know, there are a, a number of you know, readily available, very high quality cloud solution providers uh, um, on the market and being moving to the cloud you know they they provide facilities if you're even talking about this um, the lift and shift approach it's quite easy to move applications over and you know, a large storage uh, large stores of data over I think that a key aspect of doing that uh, making that shift is really around the organization and change management. So getting buy-in from the key stakeholders and and really especially not only people believe that the IT organization is the the organization that needs the most uh, buy-in here, but it is also the business organization that really needs to buy in to fully make the shift. Right. And just speaking about that paradigm shift Trying to trying to get that executive buy-in, uh, there's definitely a change in mindset. Uh, what advice or any recommendations that you would offer to the to the listeners in terms of trying to get that shift um, in, in in mindset and approach? I think that it comes down to the business case and really outlining what the business benefits are of moving to the cloud, you know, as well as addressing concerns around data security, which you know is again paramount for every organization absolutely and the and what is the change plan so what do you think is next do you do you see the cloud going away or i guess how do, how do you see organizations approaching the cloud people that are organizations that have been hesitant to date do you see that changing do you see that shift where things are moving more to the cloud or or, or not we do see a trend of of increasing adoption. So generally speaking, we saw that the U.S. was uh, uh, an earlier adopter of cloud solutions over you know certain certain other regions in the world and we're we've been excited that we have seen growing adoption of cloud solutions internationally what we see accompanying that is a desire to keep data in region so it's not sufficient to have a single cloud server and serving the entirety of the world and that's you know that's understandable given you know local and regional data laws that uh, that organizations need to abide by uh, and want to abide by and so at the same time the cloud provider capabilities have been growing so you know AWS ha uh, has many data centers around the globe and as does Microsoft and other providers. And so these are really critical enablers of cloud solutions. And so what we are able to do is basically deploy our software in multiple data centers and be right, able to address. Regions. Exactly. Sure. So you're, you're checking off the box in terms of localization or regionalization of the data, making sure that it's stored and processed locally. Uh, I guess that that really speaks to the advantage of being able to to deploy internationally through the cloud. One of the challenges that I'm always thinking about is if you have data that are localized, so just say it's European data, it stays in Europe, 
what happens if that researcher wants to come to the States or collaborate with someone in a different localization or in a, in a different region, how, how does that work out? And, and I think there, there are some, there's some additional challenges that we haven't really thought about when it comes to cloud and, and, uh, but these are, these are good problems to have. If you're working on premise, it doesn't change how you approach those problems either. Yeah, I agree. I, so a lot of the ability to data share, you know, in the industry that I work in is around, you know, what's in a, in a patient consent, what is in an IRB and the, you know, so, so those consents and those IRBs had to have been set up to enable that data sharing. And so that's kind of a fundamental requirement. And then beyond that, as you said, how do we facilitate it? And, you know, in the example that I gave earlier around, you know, a lab needing to reach out to an expert, an expert in a particular disease area, them being able to do that in an environment where it's in their normal workflow. So they're able to set that up as something that, you know, it's an exception that they need to ask that that ask that expert for their evaluation, but they're able to do it as a normal course of their work. I think that that's really important for the progression of patient care, you know, as well as for research. Sure, absolutely. So thank you for listening to BioRadio. I'd like to thank Charlene for being our guest today, talking about moving to the cloud. To join the conversation, visit our blog, biorad.io, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is an original creation of BioRad Laboratories. BioRad is a trademark of BioRad Laboratories Incorporated. All trademarks mentioned herein are the property of their respective owner.